Amen. We appreciate everybody being here. I know it's... Uh, can somebody tell me where that chapter is that you have to start preaching at 8.30? But if you wait, wait to 9 o'clock, you can't preach. <laughs> I read one time where they was preaching at midnight and man fell out of the window. <laughs> I hope nobody falls out tonight. <clears throat> Amen. All right, I I'm, feel like we need to preach a little bit. I told somebody it's been so many weeks since we've even got to preach. I'm not displeased that the Spirit of the Lord has just been a blessing and working and moving in our services, and uh, I'm glad of that. But we'll, we'll find that it, uh, the Word is, uh, is important. It certainly is. Word of God is real important. And um, this is uh, Easter, and we, we appreciate everybody that's here tonight in the service, what God's done for you, and what God's going to do for you. And uh, I looked about here tonight. It seemed to me like i just seen the hand of God on a lot of people. A lot of people in the whole church, no particulars, but just the hand of the Lord upon them. And if the Lord help us just for a little while, won't take too long, maybe. Um, we'd like maybe to preach from uh, Brother Buster last night had read or quoted a portion of the scripture that the Lord had done given me several days before. But I felt like the Lord would still have us maybe to say something about tonight. And uh, just bear with us, pray for us. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm like Johnny Smith said one time. He come over, man, I'm telling you, we had a shout, a shout out, just getting in with it. About two hours. And Johnny said, now, y'all shouted for two hours. said, so you're going to have to help me for two hours. Then now, you've done got in. I'm not th that away, but uh, I would appreciate your prayers. Uh, Lord, just help us here just for a little bit. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, verse, verse 1, down about verse 7. I normally don't wear glasses that much, and these are drugstore things, but uh, sometimes I have to get it up close enough where I can see what I'm reading. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into a village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied, and a colt with her, loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, The Lord hath need of them. And straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt of the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. I like just to go back real quick to verse 3. And the latter part of that, and the verse says this, And the Lord hath need of them. And that's what I want to preach on tonight, that the Lord, the Master, has need of them. We find here that uh, Jesus came into the city that day riding, and uh, he said that the Scriptures be fulfilled, that he would come sitting upon the... Uh, uh, cult, and uh, it was according to the prophecies. But I want to read you something that Jesus didn't have to ride a mule or a donkey or an ass colt if he didn't want to. But I want to tell you what he could have done. He could have called for a cherub, you know, to uh, carry him in Psalm 18 and verse 10. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of a wind. 
I'm going to tell you one thing. Because he rode up on a little old colt, Ronald, didn't take nothing away from him. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you what. He could have had the best that heaven had if he'd wanted to. All he had done was request it and he'd been there, praise the Lord. Glory to God. We find in the book of Judges, it was a custom of that day that judges would ride up on a, a white ass, a white colt or a white ass more or less. It says, Judges 5 and 10, speak ye, they, uh, ye that ride up on white asses, uh, ye that sit in judgment and walk by the way. Also, it was customary for the sons of the judges. Found in Judges uh, 12 and verse 14. And he had 40 sons and 30 nephews that rode upon three score and ten ass colts. And he judged Israel eight years. We find that Jesus also was fulfilling a, 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 a part of his, uh, uh, his calling to be a judge, Brother Howard. He came in just like the judges come in, riding up on the, uh, uh, a little uh, donkey. I'd rather use that, up on a little donkey. And as he come through that day, it wasn't only that he was just that, but he was also a son too, you see. Say, well, who was he? He was a son of God. That's right. I'll tell you what, I'm a father. I believe in the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, praise the Lord. I believe in a trinity. And he came in as a son, praise the Lord. And he came in as a judge. We look at this here, the scripture, and it said that he came in upon this. And he said, when you go over to fetch him, says, if anybody asks you any questions, you just tell them that the Lord has need of him. And he'll let him go. Well, we know, we know the nature of an old donkey. Uh, when we think about donkeys, we think about something, something that's stubborn. We think about something that has got a sort of a contrary spirit. But did you know what? I could just imagine. This is my imagination now. I see the owner one day and his, uh, his mature donkey over there getting ready to fold, getting ready to have a little colt down there, Brother Howard. I don't know with all the conditions and everything surrounded that, but the day that that one uh, uh, was born, Bobby, God's hand was up on that little donkey. I'm telling you it was. And God made a plan and provided a plan that he would have one to ride upon. I'm going to tell you something tonight. God's got a plan for every one of us. Praise the Lord. You may not say it and I may not say it, but God has got a plan for every one of us. And as that little old donkey was being born, no doubt somebody could have come by and said, Hey, I'd like to buy that and that's a pretty good looking. I don't know if he said it or not, but this is my imagination. I believe he could have said, uh, hey, he ain't for sale. He may have not understood why he didn't want to sell it, but in a day to come, there was going to be a need for the master to have him, praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you tonight, we have children born unto us. We may not understand a lot of things, but I'm going to tell you one thing tonight, that God has a need for certain things, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. When we, when we talk about, you say, well, how, how come? That that man became so willingly just to let him go. Well, when you own the, uh, everything in the world, ain't nobody can pretty well stop you from getting what you want, is it? And uh, here's what it said in Psalms 24, verse 1. It said, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Psalms 50, verse 10 11. For every beast of the field is mine and the cattle upon a thousand hills. And I know the, all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. I tell you tonight, he could have called a whole herd in if he'd have wanted to. That's right. He could call in white horses. He could have called in chariots. He could have called in everything that he wanted to call in because everything belonged to him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
We find here in uh, Haggai 2 and 8, he even says this, that in the silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. And I tell you what, isn't it sort of silly today that we think we own everything? Have you ever seen people that feels like they own you because you work for them? No, they don't. They don't even own their own souls. They don't even own the gold they have in the bank. They don't even own the land that they're living on. That's right. It belongs to God. Here's what Ezekiel said. He said, 18 and 4, Behold, all souls are mine as the soul of the Father, so also the Son, the soul of the Son is mine, and the soul that sinneth, it shall die. I tell you tonight, there's not a soul, Johnny, that God don't own. They're his. That's right. Every one of them belongs to you. You say, I know of a lot of wicked people, yeah, but this soul belongs to God. Hallelujah. I tell you tonight, the master has need of every soul. God never intended for a soul to ever end up in hell. Every soul that's ever been born in this world, there was a purpose for that. That's right. God can use it. And you know, tonight there's times that uh, the devil would like to just sort of talk to us a little bit. He'd like to sort of discourage us. Anybody besides me ever been discouraged? About, about ten of us. The rest of you are flying pretty high. <laughs> I mean, you're doing good. But I, I'm, I'm, in that, I'm in that other list. I've been discouraged a few times. That's right. And you know what? You ever had the devil sort of just come to you and say you ain't no good for nothing? I mean, you, you're ignorant as a sick heart. You can't do this, and you can't do that, and you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. And it seems like he can just pile up a big bunch of can'ts in front of us. And when we get one can't and another can't, all of a sudden, we have a can't mountain sitting right up front. Not a can't mountain. A C-A-N-T, can't. And we have to get over top of that can't sometimes before we can ever get to where God can ever use us and bless us. Amen. So sometimes we feel like we're just about as useless is a big old lump of clay. You ever seen that? You ever seen clay? Anybody ever dealt with clay? When I was in school, I took a little bit of art, and we had to form and shape things out of clay and all of that. And well, I'll tell you what, everybody just can't work with clay, but you've got to have a knack for working with clay. That's right. And, and I had about a half of a knack. Sometimes it looked pretty good, and sometimes it looked awful. But let's read in what Jeremiah had to say about this clay. He said, then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheel. And the wheel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. I read a story uh, several years ago, and I've told it a time or two. But, they, you know, they claim that some of the finest pottery comes out of some of the mountains, the uh, deepest mountains there in China. And we're not talking about pottery factories like we would consider pottery factories. But they said this one potter that was a, a, sort of like an ancient type person, well, well up in years, sort of a, a fellow that kept himself. And he'd had a recognition and people would buy his pottery and sell it for thousands upon top of thousands of dollars. And this man visited him one day and one of his, his curiosity just sort of got up and he went to the, uh, back into the mountains, Lincoln, and then back there he found just an old shack. Not no fancy building, no air conditioning, not no big uh, automatic doors you walk up to and they open and close and all of that sort of stuff. None of that. But an old tin, nasty, run-down, dirty, stinking shack. And he said he went in and he talked with the man a little while and, and he wanted to just sort of observe a little bit and said that while he was just observing, he wanted to watch him make some pottery. Said so that man went back through the, uh, an old dark place in the building 
and said right down there in the, in the ground, said it was just a, a maybe something laying over a hole, and he pulled that piece of tin back and said right there was some of the office stinking mess. Right there, just old stagnated water he'd ever seen. Said it had an awful odor. And said that man rest down in that thing with his arm and right in the middle of all that mess and said he uh, uh, got up a bunch of old mucky-looking stuff and he throwed it down over here. He gets several dips up and he throws it down. No shake, no form, stink. I mean, uh, it just didn't have nothing. Wouldn't work anything, uh, apparently. And he took it back in there and he kept working and watching, not saying too much, but he began to put it up on that thing. He began to start just uh, uh, getting some of the moisture worked out of it and uh, turning it and kneading it together and this and that. And as he started working with that, he had an old wheel he sort of pumped with his foot and that thing started going around and around and after a while, there started something to take shape, praise the Lord. I tell you what, it started out in a rough and crude uh, form when it first started, but here it was in the hands of a potter, praise the Lord. And as that potter started making that, he started to shape, and if you've ever dealt with it, you sort of start here with your thumbs, you bring it up, and you work it, and you put pressure here and pressure there and pressure there. You see, pottery's made from pressure. And tonight we sometimes have felt the pressure, hallelujah, of the enemy, praise God. We have felt pressure every way we turn, glory to God. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. But we're in the hands of the potter. Hallelujah. You know what? That clay couldn't have stood on its own. It was too weak. It was too moist. It was too fragile. But the potter was to bring it up as easy as he could without damaging it. But as that potter was there, all of a sudden the wheel stopped. And that vessel looked like it was just about ready to come off the, 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 the turntable. And as he looked at that, he thought, well, what, what in the world is going on here? All of a sudden, he sees that potter take that whole lump of clay and throw it down and tear it up and destroy it seemingly. And then his hand began to run through it again. And all of a sudden, it said he found one little hard lump on the inside of that. And only the potter could feel that. The man looking at it couldn't see it. He didn't know it was there, but the potter, his hand was so sensitive, he felt that. And so he asked that potter, said, hey, what, what's going on here? And that potter told him, said, there was something, said, said I, I, I could feel it with my hands. I'm going to tell you tonight, Lord, if I'm in your hands and you've got me on the turntable... Lord, if you feel any wicked thing in me, as the Scripture said, Lord, if you see any wicked thing in me, Lord, if you see any imperfection in my life, Lord, just let me know and let's do something about it, praise the Lord. Because we're in the hands of the potter. I can't stand on, me on my own. But I want to tell you tonight, this man began to reshape that all over again. Just like the Scripture said here, amen. He said it was marred, but he didn't say he threw it away. You see, sometimes the devil would like for us just because we felt like we've been marred or there's a little hard spot, it's just throw in the towel and just give it up. But I want to tell you tonight, the Lord hath need of them, every one of them. The old mucky, dirty, nasty, stagnated clay, he has need of them. And the potter starts all over again, and he begins to shape it, he brings it up, he forms it, and after a while the wheel stops. And he had reached the place to where the potter felt like that he had wanted it to be. He takes it and he puts it in the sun for a while, lets it sun dry. And after several days, he puts it in the oven and going through a fire. 
I believe the Bible teaches us that through the furnace of affliction, praise the Lord. There's times that when we're in the hands of the potter and we look at people, we may idolize some of them. We may look at them and say, boy, I'd like to have the blessings that they have. I'd like to feel what they're feeling. I'll tell you what, if you'd be willing to go through the furnace like I've been through the furnace and you stay in the hands of the potter, you can shine just like they shine. Amen. That's right. Praise the Lord. Amen. But it's amazing how the Lord took this old coat, never been rode. I mean, I don't know if he even had a bridle on him. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. He took all the meanness out of him. You know why? The master had control of him. And the master, girl, had need of him. Tonight, there's no way that we all could sit in this church house three hours together without a big fuss and fight and quarrel with for the Lord in our life. There'd be too much differences. There'd be too much devil in our lives of where we could even set a group together. That's right. He'd be knocked down, drag out, fight, bust, and cuss, and everything else. But I'm going to tell you tonight, it's not that way. It's because that the Lord had need, not just the way, Kester, not just the teacher, not just that, but every soul that's here tonight, the Lord has need of them, every one. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, let's read again here. 1 Corinthians 12 and 28. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, and after that miracles and the gifts of healing, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. This is only a few of the things. And the other scripture said, and they first called them Christians at Antioch. I tell you tonight, before we can ever be anything else for God, we're going to have to first be Christians. That's necessary. I mean, that's foundation material. When we talk about doing something for the Lord, we've got to come off the foundation, Brother Pete, as a Christian. We look here and we, we look at a lot of people. We see how God touched this and over here and how God's blessed this one this way, how God's given this in a ministry, how God's given this in a work, and how God's blessed that one with talent. How I looked around here tonight uh, uh, with all the music and all of that. And all the people and everything's here. And I thought, Lord, you have blessed Buckeye Hollow Church. Amen. That's right. He's blessed us in about every phase. And I looked around, not just a musician. I looked around and I saw a group of men up here, middle-aged men, uh, older men, young men. And I thought, Lord, that's another great blessing. Because you go to a lot of churches that don't have none of that. I look about and I see little children on the seats. I see grandmothers and grandparents and I see aunts and uncles and I see all the relatives and I say, Lord, you certainly have blessed this community and this church. He has, praise the Lord. And sometimes we, we again look at things and we, we hear a boy, we may see evangelists come through or a singer come through or musician or just a, a, a good down the earth, solid Christian with a burning testimony for the Lord. And, and they can just seem like when they talk to you that there's something that floods your soul. And you wonder sometimes where in the world did they come from? Surprise us a lot of times where they really started out. Here's the surprise a bunch of us sometimes. Most of us know about everybody in here. But a lot of people we don't know. He'd really surprise us. Anybody ever heard of Lloyd Whistler? He's been here. Played a saxophone. Played a fiddle. And I mean, he's a preacher man too. Several probably have heard of him. 
Lloyd Whistler and his wife played in uh, the big time bars with Mickey Gilly. And uh, I don't even know if he's living now. I just remember the name, but I remember the testimony. A lot of things. A lot of things in that Nashville Stars, he played with them all. He had a twin brother, and they were both very talented. And uh, Roy Clark wanted both of them to play in his band. That's how good they was. And, uh, but he, he followed that life. But one day, in some way, somehow, he heard the gospel. And Lloyd Whistler gave his life, and his wife gave their life unto the Lord. Well, you know, the Bible teaches us about how the seed is planted, and some falls upon different types of ground. Well, old, old Lloyd, it fell up on pretty good ground, but his wife must have hit some stony places because she fell by the wayside after a while. But tonight, if we could see Lloyd Whistler, he's, he's, he's still a servant of the Lord. He has about blowed his lungs out. That's all right. He has about blowed his face out of proportion of praising the Lord on a saxophone. That's right. He, I didn't hardly recognize him, Brother Pete. He had aged so much. But as he was a, a, a drunkard and a, a, and a country music uh, uh, to be star and all that, the Lord saved him out of all of that and called him into the ministry, called him to preach the word of God. No doubt there would be some look at him on the other side of the fence and say, why in the world are you taking such a, a low-paying job? Why aren't you with the rest of us over here in stardom and all of that? I'm going to tell you what. He ain't got his payday in full yet, praise the Lord. But there's a day coming, praise God, that he's going to receive his because you know what? The Lord had need of Lloyd Whistler. That's right. He had need of Lloyd Whistler not to play the blues on the saxophone and play the fiddle to where somebody could dance, the square dances and all that. But he would be standing in camp meeting. He would come to little church and he would play and hearts would get blessed and souls get lifted up. You know what happened? The Lord had need of him. Praise the Lord. Where do they come from? All walks of life. We find over here in some of the disciples, I just wrote some of them down. I believe the Bible teaches us Luke was what? Physician. He was a doctor. That's right. He was a doctor. I mean, he was educated of their day. Some people just sort of has, has ousted all education. You can't have education go to heaven. That's not so. You can have it if you use it right. But here he was a physician. We look down here and we find uh, Matthew. And what was he? He was a publican, a tax collector. And you know what? Bible bears out most of them was crooks. He can take dishonest men and make honest men out of them if the master has need of them. We look here at Peter, James, and John and uh, what school was it they graduated out of? What school was that? Um, did they even go to school? Well, see, what was their occupation? Um, theologians. Doctor of divinity. Fisherman. You mean he could take this old fisherman boys that don't hardly know how to write their name and call them to preach and sit in a council with tax collectors, be able to talk to a physician and do just as good a writings as a physician can? Yes, he can. You know why? Because the master had need of fishermen. He had need of tax collectors. He had need of a doctor, praise the Lord. We look over here and we find another man that the religious world didn't want to, they was afraid of him. His name was Paul. I mean, he was one of them heavy, heavyweight persecutors. He just didn't run his mouth. He made action happen when he got around. 
I mean, he went with them to the houses and they drug them out and killed them. Beat them nearly to death and stoned them and everything else. Well, for a bunch of people to swear, we'd say, there ain't no way a man like that can ever get saved. If the master has need of them, they can. That's right. I don't care how marred it's been. There may be some lumps of clay that's had more than one uh, marred place. It may have had a bunch of marred places. But if we'll let him pick it out, he can put it back together just like it needs to be. We look at a woman over here in Mark chapter 16. She was one of them that come, was one of the first appeared, uh, that he appeared to. And uh, this woman, I don't know what else she had done. But I just wouldn't want to really live beside her. I believe she'd been hard to get along with. She had seven devils. I don't believe your youngins would run over in her yard very long and she'd just about knock one of them in the head. I don't know, Lincoln, what all kind of devils she had, but undoubtedly she had seven devils. Now, we ain't talking about just a, a mean streak in her, but she was possessed with devils. Couldn't get along with nobody. And I don't know what all else, no doubt. But I'm going to tell you what. The master had need of her. Amen. He had thousands of devils in him. He couldn't even function in society no longer, Johnny. He couldn't hold down a job. He couldn't live in the neighborhood. He couldn't go to the grocery store. He couldn't do nothing. Nobody wanted to be around him. And he takes such fits at times he takes stone and cut himself just in a, a, a wild uh, uh, spree. No doubt a passerby could have seen him that one day and said, somebody needs to get rid of that thing. He's, the, he's, he's, he's dangerous to society. He ain't worth killing. He ain't worth this and he ain't worth that. I'm going to tell you what, there may be more worth than some of these drunks that's out here tonight. There may be more worth than some of the heartaches that's walking the street. There may be some more worth than some of the people that we look about tonight than what we know of because the master has need of them. Who knows what drunk will come in the Lord call them into the missionary field and thousands hear the gospel because of them. You know what makes a difference? If the master has need of them. Praise the Lord. Tonight, there was a woman at a well and her, her social life wasn't the best. It certainly wasn't. She, didn't, she, she, she just wasn't, a, wasn't the best of character that you could ever read about. No doubt she'd been shunned by a lot of people. But there was a day that she came to a well to draw water. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And just at that particular day, there was someone that had need of her. And when she began to talk with him, she didn't understand. But after, got, after she got through talking to him, here's what the Bible says in John 4 and 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, You see, she was the type of woman that would rather be around men than she would women. You just know what I'm saying? But this day she come with a different errand. Men wasn't her greatest interest now. No, that lustful demon spirit that was in her had gotten under control. 
she met somebody that had need of her that would go other than just a, 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 a satisfaction of the flesh. But there was one that needed her soul, needed her testimony, that would go into the city and tell some people. And here's what she said, come and see a man that which told me all the things I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Praise the Lord. He had need of her to run over there and say, Christ has already come. Praise the Lord. She said, if you don't believe me, listen to this. He didn't know who it was. He told me everything I ever done. He told me who it had been with and everything else. Praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you one thing. He has need tonight of every one of us. And not only us, but them outside this door. Praise the Lord. I read of another woman. Just a young girl. She was raised over there and probably not the, of the richest of families. But the Lord took a little poor girl and let her find favor in the sight of the king. And the Bible said, and she was for such an hour as this. Her name was Esther. That's right. The Lord had the use for Esther, Danny. For some may have looked at her just as a little poor girl. Well, she don't have as much as the other ones. Little did they know, after a while, she's going to be queen. You know why? Because the master's hand was on her. Tonight, I don't know what all God's got for you. And I don't know what all God's got for me, but I'm telling you one thing. I'm feeling some of it right now. Praise the Lord. That little, uh, little kid song that says, uh, He's still working on me. Yes, He is. He's working on me tonight. And if you'll let Him, He'll work on you tonight. Praise the Lord. He'll make something out of you that you can't make out of yourself. Praise God. I couldn't make myself a preacher. I couldn't get myself anointed if it depended upon my life. But tonight, the reason I am a preacher is because He had need of me. Tonight, the reason you're here tonight in this church service, He has need of you to be here. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We find that Esther was called on to save her nation from being destroyed. One little poor girl that the master had need of. Don't consider, look about tonight and look at all of us and try to figure out what the Lord has in mind, has in store and what his plans are for you and you look about somebody else. We can't figure it out. It's too high and deep for us. That's right. Did you know the Lord has always, if we'll trust Him, He's always got somebody that'll carry on that remnant. You know, uh, I remember years ago, Brother Pete, when, when the music in this church had about went down to nothing. You remember, and that's all we say about that, but the Lord saved a bunch of young people. Didn't, uh, it wasn't in their family to play and all that. My family didn't play music and uh, anything like that, really. But the Lord's got the anointing people, Emily, and, and, and call them to do different things and, and all that. Well, that's been uh, um, 20, how long? 25 years ago. 25 years ago. It was 1970. And uh, somewhere around there. And the Lord started working well. I ain't real young no more, Johnny. You know, I, I got a boy, got a wife. And it means you ain't young no more when they got them. That's right, Lincoln. I, you know, Lincoln, I used to think you was a lot older than me, but you ain't. I'm catching up. How in the world can we space out time? Bobby used to be an old man, Kester. 
but you ain't no more. It seems like I'm gaining ground all the time. Y'all standing still somewhere or something, but it's like a gap's closing. I know it's not, but I'm saying we're, we're, into, uh, we're, we're getting older. I look about and what the Lord has done right around here, I'm going to tell you, Carol and Janice are going to get so old and feeble one of these days, they ain't going to be hard to get to the piano, let alone play one. Could you see me at Earl's age playing a bass guitar? By the time I figured out what chord is in now, they done went in two or three more. I ain't going to play a bass guitar all my life. They ain't going to be the piano players here all the life. If time lasts, Wade Kessler ain't going to be the pastor of this church forever. Neither is anybody else. There'll be a new set of uh, trustees someday in this northern church if time lasts. There'll be new special singers here. There'll be new musicians here. And the Lord is already working on a good crop of them. Ain't he? Your little boy's playing. My little boy's a playing. Daniel's playing. Jamie's playing. I don't know who all's playing. All these little young'uns are playing. You know what the Lord has done? He has need of every one of them children. That's right. He has need of every one of them. Thurman, you and Margaret ain't real old. About 65, Margaret. You know, that's hard for me to believe. I don't believe you're that old, hardly. I know you are, but it don't, don't seem like it to me. You really don't. Seem like y'all be about 57, 58. You, you don't, I don't know what 65 is supposed to look like, but you don't look 65. But anyways, uh, but, but you all know what I'm talking about. You, you was here in your youth, wasn't you? As girls, mammy. As girls. They's been a bunch. That's been a long time ago, ain't it? Brother Earl, them as boys and all of them around here. There's a whole group of new faces that are here tonight than what it was 50 years ago. That's right. A whole, you know what happened? Every one of you that's here tonight, the master had need of you. And it ain't going to stop when we're gone. But he's got a crew coming on all the time. That's right. We look here at one, one or two more things here. We look at a man that probably had pretty good, but he had a lot of young ones. You know how hard they are to take care of and raise. You got a big household. He had a whole pile of boys. And uh, the Lord had sent a man down to anoint one of them as a king. He looked at all of them, and it didn't satisfy him. He couldn't get the okay. And all of a sudden, he asked him, said, do you have any more boys? Yeah, I got one more. Just, just a young and He's over yonder somewhere taking care of them sheep. He said, well, would you call him, come in? I need to look at him. And when he looked at him, he didn't see what he saw in all the others. He saw in all the others maturity. He saw the age. He may have saw experience. He may have looked at everything that man looks at and says, yeah, I know they're qualified, but look at all the qualifications they've got. But did not he tell him, don't look at their stature? Don't even look at their size. Don't, just don't consider because was it Saul that was like a head and shoulder taller than everybody else? He said head and shoulder above everybody else. A tall man. But he said don't look upon any of those things. But he let him know when David passed by him, this is the one. This is the one. You know why it was? The master had need of him to be a king. He had that need. We look at one more. There was a fella little young fellow, and Paul really liked him a whole lot. His name was Timothy. He just, just a young one, really. I mean, he's just a, just a young person compared to Paul. And it tells us, the Bible teaches us, how that uh, uh, he had such a good grandmother and such a good mother. But did you know what he told Timothy? He said, Timothy, despise not thy youth. 
He said just because you're young, Timothy, don't mean that you can't serve the Lord. Just because that you're young, Timothy, don't mean that God can't use you. But he was telling him and all of those can'ts and that mountain that I said that's built up in front of a bunch of us from time to time. If we let it, that mountain will just keep it growing and growing. But he said, Timothy, that when the devil tells you that you're too young and you can't, says despise not your youth. Don't let that just be your hindrance. Don't let that be the thing that stops you from doing what the Lord would have you to do. Well, tonight, what could the Lord do with us if we just let Him? Because I'm, I feel within my heart tonight, the Lord has need of everyone that's here for something. It may not be a preacher. It may not be the teacher. But I feel like one of the things that every one of us has got, there's a somebody the Lord is wanting us to witness to and tell them about Jesus. You say, well, I can't do that good. Who can? Really, who can? But if we really get a hold of it just right, and the anointing comes up, but you know that witnessing gets the same anointing that the preaching does? Anybody ever felt the anointing move on them while they were witnessing to the Lord? I mean, you felt the Spirit run down over you. You don't have to be called to preach, witness. But the Master has need of every one of us in here tonight be used of Him. And I'd like to encourage you with that as we sort of close out right here. The Master hath need of them. We may not see the, the possibilities that lay there. We may not look at all of the things that, uh, of that. We may look at all the failures and imperfections that may lie within our lives and the things that we didn't accomplish that we started out. But if we'll turn it over to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. Put me up on the wheel. Take me, use me, shape me, mold me, make me what you want me to be. Lord, and if, if whenever you find something there, start me over, but don't never take me off the wheel till you're done. And that's what I'd like to be. Stay on the wheel till he's done. Tonight, I hope it's been an encouragement to you, the whole service. That's just old basic elementary preaching. But I want you to know tonight that the master has need. That donkey didn't seem like too important, Johnny, but if the Lord was going to ride on him, he was important. That's right. You sometimes may not feel like what you do sometimes is important. You may not feel like that your presence in the service is important. But it is. That's right. It is important. Because the Master has need of you. We, we can just be in the presence of one another. Don't have to say much. But when we come together, we can draw strength one from another just by sitting together in heavenly places. Just being here. Jim, do you feel better there sitting with all these men than you would just be sitting by yourself? How would it be tonight if we didn't have you to preach to and you're I'm just up here, just me and Carol and one of the boys and just singing and, and preaching? We get strength one from another by just our countenances being with each other and the fellowship of that. All right. I uh, appreciate all of you being in, in the church tonight and being in the house of the Lord. Again, we appreciate all the things the Lord has done, those that He saved, those that He's healed, those He's going to, and the many things that He's uh, going to do for us.